be seated. I did pray that awake prayer for me, so yeah. I'm not, I'm not watching anybody fall asleep today. I've had a very long weekend, so uh, but I am glad to be here. It's good to see you here today, and today um, we are talking about couples. We talked about singles last week. This week we're talking about couples, and I have a person that's going to help me talk about couples today. Welcome, Raina. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's going to help me with this. Do you need your notes? I didn't bring them up. Do you need me to get notes? Okay, you can use mine. That's what we do. We share stuff like that, all right? So I'm going to grab one of these stools myself so that um, in case I just want to sit down and take a nap, uh, I'm going to let her do, let her have the whole thing. No, it's uh, t- today we're, we're talking about couples. Last week we talked about uh, the idea of flying solo, being single, and we talked we, when, when we, we talked, we said this, that, that God doesn't want aloneness for you. God wants oneness for you, and that's how we started last week. We started with that, that idea that God doesn't want you to be alone, but God wants you to be one, and that same idea still applies, and we're going to look at that in a fuller way today with how that applies to marriage and how that applies uh, thank you yes right on right on cue with uh, this is our diagram that we used last week now listen I got some questions about this diagram last week because they said I had some say uh, Raina yeah it was Raina she was like isn't God supposed to have all of our circle it's like well yeah but that would mess up the diagram because I only have one circle right and I'll say this, listen, our, our analogy, this is an, is an analogy, and, and they only go so far in de- describing the divine, eternal God and his relationship to us, right? I mean, our, vis- uh, our visuals can only do so much to, to depict that. And if I told you I want you to go draw me a picture of the Trinity, uh, you would probably have, you know, some ideas of how you would do that. But at some point, they all fall apart, right? So that, I'm just going to say that. That's the disclaimer. That's the fine print. At some point, all our analogies kind of fall apart. But this is a good starting place because God does not want you to be alone, but he does want you to be one. And we talked about that last week in, with the idea of singleness, that, um, that even though uh, you're single, even though you may not be married, and you may say, I'm, I'm not getting married. I'm, that's, not, that's not what God has for me. That's not, that's not what I'm choosing. That uh, you could be complete, and there can be oneness that you have with your Father because it's not another person that completes you. It's actually the relationship you have in Jesus that makes you whole and makes you complete. And we're going to continue on in that same conversation today um, with, with this, this thought. Now, uh, Raina, she has, we were trying to figure out how to start this message, and, and I've totally, I didn't even tell her this, and so this is brand new to her. Um, I was going totally different direction, but but uh, we have this table, this big table we bought. It's a family eating table, dining room table, and uh, it has been turned into a puzzling table. And so uh, I, I, we came in. We had the staff over back at Christmas. And I said, listen, I said, that puzzle's got to go. I said, we got all the staff. She's like, uh-uh. She's like, they know us. They're friends with us. We can just push that puzzle to the middle. She's like, they can eat around it, right? <laughs> She's like, you're not messing up my puzzle. 
And so I started thinking about that, that puzzle. I started thinking about that table, you know, when I came in last night. Um, and I saw there's, this, there's always some puzzle that's there. And they start, Hearn Cannon usually are the ones that's working on it. And they start with the outside and work their way into the middle, right? I guess that's how you're supposed to do it. That's like puzzling 101, right? And that's, uh, I don't know, I never took the class. But, um, but there's, there's all these puzzle pieces laying out. And they're trying to find which ones go together. And, you know, I said, I began to think, I said, that's not unlike us trying to find the person that maybe we're going to spend our life with, right? We're trying to connect the pieces of the puzzle, you know. Maybe we have an idea of what that picture should look like, or maybe we want that picture to look like. And so we're trying to see which pieces fit together. And I think that Scripture really speaks to this. And so I wanted to start with this Scripture. We're going to go to two passages today. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to Ephesians chapter 5. And so if you want to go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 5. Genesis chapter 2, though, says this. And I'm just going to read it off the screen. Uh, It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be what? What did I just say? He's that God doesn't want us to be alone, but he wants us to be one. Even if you decide I'm not getting married, that's okay. He has a plan for that, and he has a plan to bring oneness into that picture. Uh, But right here, we we begin to look at the uh, formation and the origin story of what marriage looks like. And so uh, said, then the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. What fit for him? And sometimes we, we don't like this term helper, and it, this is uh, not a, a great translation of this. Uh, it, it's a Hebrew term. It, it, the Hebrew term is ezer konegdo, ezer konegdo. And ezer is this word for helper. And this word ezer means basically your, your, your battle buddy, someone who goes into battle with you and has your back and and so is a help and a rescue for when you're down they can help pick you up and so it's not like when we're talking about marriage that we're saying hey there's the man and then there's the woman she's the helper she comes around and helps clean up things and fixes dinner and you know folds the laundry you know that's that's not what we're saying that actually may happen in your house right it's not a bad thing but we're saying this is a bigger fuller picture when we're talking about this through scripture that God said, I am giving you someone, Adam. I'm giving you someone. These words came to mind. That so, so we said this, that someone else can't complete you. You have to be a complete person coming into marriage. Even if you're saying, hey, I'm not going to get married. I'm going to be a single. You have to be a complete person in and of yourself, and you have to do that through your relationship with Jesus. So when we're saying, hey, there's a helper fit for him, we're not saying that he brought Eve along so that Adam could be complete. Adam was complete. Eve was complete. And they were two complete people. And so what he's doing is he's bringing two complete people together. And although Eve was not a completion for Adam, Eve was a complement for Adam. And Eve was correspondent or, or corresponding to Adam or a connection to Adam, and so these are better words, I think, that help you see, uh, maybe to fill out this idea of helper. And it says that uh, a, a person who would come along and be this uh, this battle partner, this this battle buddy, to have your back, so that you can have their back. And he says, fit for him. And that's when I begin to think about these puzzle pieces, and how we need these puzzle pieces to link together, right? And that you need that puzzle piece to be complete 
to be able to fill out the picture. It's got to fill that spot that it was created for. It's got to fill it completely. And sometimes if you're like me, you get impatient. Anybody get impatient puzzling? And you think that there's a piece that looks like it would go together. And you say, well, it's close. And you try to make it fit. Anybody, you tried to force it? You take it, you just hammer it down. It's like, I will make this puzzle piece fit, right? Sometimes that's, that's kind of what our relationships look like. We're trying to make someone fit into our life that God's saying, they're not fit for you. Mm. And, yeah, ouch. And, and so let's stop trying to force things and people to fit into our life that God says, that's not the fit for you. And let's begin to ask that question, okay, God, what is the fit for me? If I am looking toward marriage, if I, if I do want to be married, what does that fit look like? How is, how is that supposed to look? And so um, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 5. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, and then we're going to jump in back into our diagram. And Raina's got her own diagram today because I work in, in um, circles. Uh, Raina works in squares, okay? And that's okay. Sometimes you have to know if you're a circle or a square, right? You know, and, and, and circles can't be squares and squares can't be circles, right? So, uh, so I want us to read. I want us to read Ephesians chapter 5. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. And Paul, as I've said this before and I'll say it again, that as you get um, deeper into Paul's letters, Paul uh, front loads theology. And as you read through his letter, it gets more practical. And so he's getting really practical here about, the, hey, this is what life in Christ looks like. This is what your life should look like. And this is what family life looks like. He's given us an ethic for what families should be because remember last week we talked about the world that uh, christianity was birthed into was a very much a pagan world the the roman empire all this greek culture uh this pantheon of gods uh this free sex society that they lived in and so paul is writing this letter and he is giving them a different ethic to live by and what a different ethic our family should live by and this is what he says in verse 15 he says look carefully then how you walk how you live out your life not as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil therefore once again don't try to force the puzzle pieces right therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, and, and, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And that's what we just came through a time where we, we've done that. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, here, this is one I want you to pick up now because we get into a, a different passage here after this verse and we miss things when, when, when we miss this one little verse. This one little verse gets overlooked because a lot of times in our Bibles there's like a heading and then like we jump down. But this verse right here goes with what comes after it. I want you to understand this. This verse 21 right here gives context to everything else that Paul is about to say. Verse 21, what does it say? Submitting, man, we don't like that word. Submitting to who? To one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, what does that look like? Well, Paul says, I'm glad you asked. And he said, let me continue on in verse 22. Wives, 
submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And the pastors just stop there, right? We just stop reading. It's like, all right, ladies, hear it, okay? But Paul wasn't done. He goes on and he says, hey, husbands, husbands, love your wives. Well, how? As Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He died for the church. Went to a conference yesterday, and anybody listen to Rick and Bubba? Rick, Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. Anybody remember that? All right, maybe. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I listen to Rick and Bubba sometimes. Um, but uh, Rick, Rick was uh, there of Rick and Bubba show, and uh, he was talking to uh, all these men. There was about 1,200 men uh, at this conference me and Pastor Trent got a chance to go to. And um, he said, listen, he said, I know a lot of you guys, you're willing to die for your, your wife. He's like, but are you willing to live for her? So that, that's easy to say, would you, would you take a bullet for her? But are you willing to live out your commitment and your vows and your promise? Are you willing to live out what God has called you to reflect to her? And, and I, when I think about that, when I think about that question, this is, this is what a, how, did, how did Jesus love the church? Before he died, he gave himself not only uh, for the church with his life, but he, he took this pride and he, he, he prepared her to be what God wanted her to be. And so, so husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle uh, or such a thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Guys, that means if she wants to go on a shopping trip, you better pay for it, okay? No, I'm kidding. That's, 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 a little, that's, that's Ryan's version. That's Ryan's version. Verse 28, it says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, and therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his cleave is the word there in Genesis. Cleave to his, it's like glue. Be glued to her so that you can not be ripped apart. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So there's this, this picture that is being painted here. And he's saying this is how this is fit together. This is the oneness that we're being called to. And I showed you my diagram last week. And once again, I've just said these, these, these analogies only work and go so far. This was for singles. Uh, and I want to show you the, the next one. The next one is this. You have you. Have you you have God, and then you have your spouse. If you see how these three circles, and you begin to think about how these three circles come together, if you start looking at the next one, and you put these three circles together, and, and the idea is not that you become your spouse. It's not that your spouse just gets consumed in you. It's not that your life is so big that they're overshadowed by you, and, and they just lose who they are in you. It's this idea that <clears throat> as I am a complete person and they are a complete person and God is who God is, that as this picture begins to come, come together, that's what I call the sweet spot. 
And the sweet spot right there is when there's this overlap of our lives and God's overlap in our lives together. And, and this picture is, is a picture of oneness where we are serving one another. We're submitting to one another. Out of what? Out of reverence for Christ. And, and so Raina has her own diagram, and so I'm going to let her explain how she sees this. Well, and I'll just point out, like on this one, that I, I've also heard before, you know, the closer that we draw to God, the closer we would be drawing to one another in, in this diagram as well. But um, just to give a little context from where mine came from, there was a period of time where um, when Ryan and I were dating in college, and um, he kind of, he touched on it last week, that he was, we met when he was about to graduate, but I still had a few years left. And so he was kind of, he was ready to get married. He was, he was pushing me in that direction. And I just remember thinking, I knew I liked him. I, I knew I wanted to continue to date, but I wasn't ready to be married yet. And um, so there was a period of time where we broke up. And um, I was really, I started going to a counselor just to work on myself as an individual. And um, start. I, I really wanted to seek God. And God, what do you have for me? Because I knew that for me, if when I was married, that marriage was forever. And I wanted to make sure that that person who I chose to um, marry was was the right fit, like he was talking about, and that he and I um, were going to chase after God. And so what I remember um, the lady told me in this counseling session, it really stuck with me. If you'll go to that next slide, um, Steve. She um, used the idea of triangles, and she said, you know what, we can think of ourselves um, and the people that we date as being like a triangle, that we are individuals, and we need to strengthen ourselves and continue um, to grow strong. But she said she sees marriage more like this, that when you do join your life with someone, you become one, but you're creating something with each of you as individuals. Um, it has created a, a new shape, a square, but, you know, it, it, we're still individuals as well. And that, that's so important because, God forbid, something happens to one of us, you know, it would change the picture of life and what, what it looks like for us. But we should be able to be whole as people because we are searching after God and because he is the one who completes us. And, um, you know, if I'm just being honest, that, that passage, as women, sometimes we struggle when we hear that one, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. You know, I used to read that a little differently, like almost like I'm having to submit to him like he is the Lord. I, I, I used to read it that way. But then I realized, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I don't know, God, I don't know that I have that in me. But, you know, I think that's why it's so important, first of all, and just speaking to our singles again, that you choose wisely. Because if you're going to submit to someone as unto the Lord, if you're going to be submitting your life to the Lord and be able to also submit to your husband, then you need to be able to choose someone who is also submitting his life to the Lord and is willing to also mutually say, you know what, I'm giving and I am submitting to you as well. So it is, it is a mutual submission. And I want my husband to be the leader of our household. There are times that I'm like, you know what, I just need you to make this decision. I just need you, I, I, I don't know, I'm going to defer to you here. And he defers to me sometimes too. But that, that I think that that is the picture of how Ryan and I try to live our lives, that we, we're separate, but we're together at the same time. We, we have our own identity. We have our own things, but together we complement one another. No, that's great. Um, 
there's a uh, quote by Dr. Henry Cloud. Some of you guys know that I'm a big fan uh, of Dr. Cloud. And this is what he said. He said, marriage is not meant to be the place where you become completed as a person. And, and you know, I know some of us will push back. So, well, I've always thought that when you come into marriage, maybe you, you're completed there. And he says, this, he says, marriage is not meant to be the place where you become completed as a person. You must work to become two who can then establish a oneness based on the real intimacy of two whole people and not a false sense of security in the other person. You must become a complete individual on your own. And so this is the calling that every one of us has, that God wants oneness for all of us. When we, when we think about, you know, whether we're married or single, this is to every one of us. God wants oneness with us. He wants us to learn to be complete people on our own so that when he, if we choose to connect and if we choose to get married, that he begins to bring people together to help fit jointly or fit, uh, fit right with us. And so um, when we think about this, it's, marriage is not a place where we just become completed. I know, Raina, uh, there were some things that you were thinking about here. I'm going to let you kind of speak to it. Well, I, um, I also just had this thought um, that even though, and I've already said this, that even though we're now married, that doesn't mean that suddenly I lose who I am, I lose my identity. And I think that was, that was one of those things that I really struggled with um, in those, that little bit of time where we weren't really dating. I, was, I knew Ryan was called to the ministry. I knew that he was um, pursuing being a pastor. And I had also felt God's call on my life, but I was not sure that I saw myself. I was like, can I do that? Am I, am I ready? Would I be able to step into those shoes? And um, if you know Ryan's whole family, his mom, a pastor's wife, his sister's the pastor's wife. And I just looked at these ladies, and I had them on this pedestal, and I thought, you know, they're just, they do everything right, and I don't know that I can. You know, I hadn't grown up in the in the ministry. My dad worked for the ports here in Savannah, and I just, I struggled with it. So I just began really seeking God and, and um, began to ask him to grow me as a person. I wanted him to speak to me personally. And um, as I did that and um, continued to draw close to God, and I realized that Ryan was doing the same thing. I mean, obviously, it worked out. <laughs> um, but I, I still think that now that we're married, still the best thing, the best thing that we can do for our spouse um, is to strengthen our personal relationship with Jesus. That is the best thing that I can do for Ryan. If I am drawing close to God, then obviously, hopefully he is pouring into me and he's developing the fruits of the Spirit in my life, or the fruit of the Spirit in my life, and that I am able to be kind and patient to my husband, that I am a better person with all of the relationships that are around me. So I think we should strive to draw close to God. We never, we never need to stop that. This is going to strengthen our relationship. Even if, you know what, I, I've, I've heard so many questions. Well, what if my spouse isn't a believer? Still, you draw close to God. Draw close to him. Because even if your spouse isn't a believer, or maybe you're not on the same page with that, we have to believe as Christians that drawing close to God is going to make us better in all of our relationships. It's going to make us respond um, better to people. It's going to make us loving and kind. And if we ever hope to be able to draw them closer to God, we've got to be drawing close to God ourselves. And so, um, you know, that was just my thought on that. Don't stop drawing close to God as an individual. So when we talk about oneness, um, oneness does not mean sameness. I want to make, make that point. 
Oneness doesn't mean sameness. Once again, you don't get sucked in and become uh, another person uh, when you get married. So w- when, I, when I say this, what do I mean? You're not meant to be consumed into your spouse. Uh, as I, 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 I think about, we talk about being on the same page, and there's sometimes we're not always on the same page, and we have to work to get on the same page, right? Uh, we have to work in this relationship to make sure that we're, we're moving to the, to, all right, what, is, what does God want for us? What do we want for our family? And we did. We talked about that. There were things that we went in, and she'll talk about this in a few minutes, that we predecided that we wanted for our family, that we wanted our, our family to look like, our parenting to look like, um, how our kids were raised, and just things that we were going to say no to and things that we were going to say yes to. That early on for us, those were conversations that we had. So we kind of knew what we wanted that to look like, but sometimes we come at that in different ways. Um, and so uh, I, I think about it like this. Sometimes being on the same page means uh, that you're different fonts, okay? And this is just how my brain works, okay? Uh, can you put that up there, Steve, uh, being the same page but a different font? You know, uh, that we're maybe talking about the same thing. We may be talking about, you know, how I want to, I, I want uh, parenting to look like this. Well, maybe I'll come at it, man, I want my boys to, you know, to be a certain way. But you don't have it. It's all right. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's all right. I can chime in and tell you, though, my husband is a total font snob. Any font snobs in here? I am an elementary school teacher, and I have been made aware that Comic Sans is a terrible font, according to my husband. And and I would try to explain to him that elementary teachers, we use this because it most resembles child's handwriting, and we want them to make the font to write that way. But... He has um, brought me around to the fact that Comic Sans is terrible. I no longer use it. So if you use it, let me just let you know, my husband's a font snob, and he's judging you. (laughs) I I am. That is true. That is very true. I won't do it to your face, but I'll do it behind your back. I hate your fonts. (laughs) No, listen. (laughs) God never intended, God never intended for you to lose yourself in the identity of your spouse. Um, if we get lost in someone, we should get lost in Jesus. If that's who we're going to get lost in, let's get lost in Jesus. When you get lost in the other person, you, when you get lost in another person, you just become a clone or a parrot of that, you know. And, and, and actually, you're not even good at that because at that point, you're trying to be them and do everything that they're doing. And God never called you to that. Uh, when you, be, you become a worse version of them and an entirely different person than you're supposed to be, but when you get lost in Jesus... You become the best version of you. You become the best version of you. When you get so lost in Christ and that oneness in Christ, and then when you see those circles or those triangles come together, you can become a more beautiful picture of what God wants us to see. And so for us, not being lost, oneness is not sameness. I've had to learn she's, she's got her own things that God has gifted her to do. And you know what, just because she's a pastor's wife doesn't, you know, it never meant that I wanted her to stop um, her ideas of being in education and being involved in music. God gifted her for that. That would break my heart if she could not do that because she is good with that. She is an amazing teacher, and I love seeing her. So many times I feel so inadequate when it comes to dealing with kids, and I'm like, I don't know what to do here. I need your help, right? So when you talk about submitting one to another the things, I'm just like, I'm way out of my league. Please help me out, you know, and she gently guides me. She says, 
don't talk to them like this or don't do it don't say it like that or be a little bit you know less forceful and, and it just and it helps me because she has her giftings and talents and I want her to flourish in that I, I definitely think we 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 try to compliment each other in things I know Ryan is much more um he's more laid back about things and I need that because I can tend to be um you know just controlling it I want everything a certain way and I get rattled when things don't go the way that I've planned and that was one of the things that I wrote down um, that when we enter into that covenant relationship of marriage we we have to have grace for one another we um we have to choose to make allowances for the other person's faults um we all know it doesn't matter how wonderful someone is you can meet someone um, whether that's in a dating relationship or anywhere in this world, you can meet someone and think that they are just amazing. But we know everyone, everyone has faults. Everyone has the potential to hurt us and the, the, the potential to let us down. And um, it's important. I, I will say this real quick. Just, and that's not saying make excuses for bad behavior. This is, this is different than making an excuse for bad behavior. This is, this is personality type issues that we're talking about. So. That's good. And just... You know, I, I've had to realize that we have to make allowances for one another. Um, just a silly example of this. Um, I think of things like folding the towels or whatever. My husband and my boys, they're more than willing to help me. It's great. They'll fold it. I am one of those people. I have been guilty of going back and refolding the towels because I didn't like the way they folded them <laughs> because I want them to look a certain way. And, you know, I've, I've realized as we've, been married for 22 years now you know what Raina if you want him to help fold the towels then leave him be you know what he folded them great be be happy with that if they're going to load the dishwasher don't go back and reload it a different way you know if he loaded it he loaded it and I'm going to be grateful for that so just um, that's a, a, a silly example but we do need to have grace for one another um, and and be committed through the changes I mean after 22 years of marriage we change as people if we grow, but then we also we change physically. You know, we our hair turns gray, we get lines on our face, we add a few pounds. You know, we are committed through those changes, no matter what. That that is the person that we've entered into relationship with, and um, I, I think that's important. We're committed through physical changes. We're committed through financial changes. You know what? When we stand at that altar and we say, for better, for worse, for sickness, for poor, or, or sickness and health, for what is it? <laughs> Clearly, I got that right. Okay. But, you know, w we say those things, and I think we know it when we're young and we're getting married, but sometimes we don't actually realize what that's going to look like. And, and you don't know the challenges you're going to face as a married couple. But whatever the challenging circumstances are, whatever the stresses that we're, I'm committed. I'm committed to this. And um, I think that that is an important um, point to make as well. This I'm going to ask Pastor Trent if he'll come play because uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, last thing is this, is, is boundaries. you got to set boundaries in your relationships. you got to set boundaries in your marriage. Um, actually, they're, the whole boundary idea is throughout Scripture. I love when you go uh, in our Genesis uh, class on Wednesdays, we were just talking about this, that how God had set the limits of the oceans and he had set the boundaries of certain things. And you start thinking about that, that our life shouldn't, shouldn't be a limitless life that we, we, you know, when we come to it, there are boundaries that we have to have in our marriage. There are boundaries we have to have in protecting what we have. And so um, 
I said this last week. I said, single people don't act like you're married. If you're single, don't act like you're married. You know, it's, it's not the time to say, hey, let's play house. But I'll say this. If you're married, don't act like you're single. If you're a married person, all your friends shouldn't be single people. Right? You shouldn't be hanging out on Friday night with all the single people at the club. <laughs> acting like you're single. You know, that's, that's, that's not good. These are things you say, well, that's an extreme. Yeah, that's an extreme, but, but I, I think it's important that we have to understand there's a different life we're called to, and it's a life. My life is, is, is now to honor Jesus and to honor her. And there are things that I want to do um, or things that I don't want to do. I, don't never, I never want to dishonor her. There are boundaries that I've set up in ministry. There are boundaries that I've set up. You know, I, I don't. I don't ride in a car with a woman by myself. It's not I'm either. I'm not related to her. It's not not Raina. I just I don't do that. And you know, those are those are things that I've said. He said, "Well, that's just that's a dumb that's a dumb rule." Uh, uh, Vice President Pence got got slammed a few years ago because he wouldn't take meetings uh, with women by himself, and he would he would have someone with him, and they're just the media just slammed him for it. And it's like, how can how can you say that? It's just so so uh, you know, toxic masculinity. What are you what are you trying to say about other women? I'm not trying to say anything about other women. What I'm trying to say is about her that she's important to me, that I want to set up boundaries that protect my honor of her to protect my relationship with her. It ain't about you. It's about her. And I love her. And I want to make sure she understands that I'm going to continue to love her and continue to choose her. And I'll choose her um, not just by telling her I love her, but showing her I love her and, and those boundaries and limitations that I see. And so this morning, this is what we want to do. We're going to, we're going to wrap this up. And I know I know you've got this last point here. You want to speak to that. Basically, surround yourself with people who support your marriage. Surround yourself with who are going to support you and cheer you on. Listen, if you got friends that's always tearing down your spouse and tearing down your husband and tearing, I can't believe him, you know, they're not helping you. What, what, what you want is people to say, listen, I know that's tough. I know marriage can be difficult. Hang in there. Somebody, somebody had, had reached out to me um, this past week about a relationship that they were in, and I was just like, hey, go easy on this is probably what they're thinking. This is probably what's going on on the other side. I wanted to try to give them that other side. Maybe they weren't seeing and try to help them see, hey, you know what? Okay, maybe they're not being so selfish. Maybe I'm, I'm not seeing the other side of that. So I want you guys to stand with us this morning. This is how I want us to finish up. I want us to end up. And we're going to pray.